It's Friday, so let's do a little edition of Free Agent Friday and look at potential free agents out there on the market that could be coming to the Arizona Dimebacks during the 2023 season on today's Locked On Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. We are currently at 190 subscribers, getting dangerously close to 200, so please go hit subscribe on the Lockdown Diamondbacks YouTube. Now, typically, I would do this maybe after a World Series because you guys know I always record a day early. So I thought about doing it after tonight's World Series game. But guess what? My job at the Arizona Coyotes gave me Friday off. So I'm taking advantage. I'm going out Thursday night. So I'm not going to be able to be able to do a post game podcast after the World Series because I will more than likely be inebriated. So I want to do a little free agent Friday and look at the I'm going off a MLB.com article where they rank their top 20 free agents entering the offseason with some honorable mentions. So I just want to go through some of the guys and trade pick which of those players I think could be an upgrade at certain positions for the D-backs or at least be a complementary piece to some of the pieces we already have on the D-backs. But before we decide which players should be on the roster, we first have to look at the players currently on the roster and figure out the biggest positions of need this free agency because we all we all know, of course, the bullpen is the biggest area of need for this D-backs team, but is it the only area of need? Is it the only position that could use an upgrade? Maybe, maybe not, because right now I have this little list pulled up where it has all the offensive war rankings by position group in the National League. So I could look at the, the offensive war for every team at the catcher position in the National League, and for every position I can do that. So going through this, here are where the D-backs rank by offensive war among every position group in the National League. You start with catcher. The D-backs have the 10th best offensive war, which is crazy because catcher's not that deep of, of, of a position. You had Dalton Varsho playing like 30 games at catcher this season. But even with that being said, the offensive war by the D-backs catchers this past year was not good. And maybe it's because of all the non-Carson Kelly, Dalton Varsho guys that they started at catcher this year. But it's also because guys like Carson Kelly had a super down season. And I think that's an area where you don't need an upgrade. I don't think I need an upgrade over Carson Kelly. I think he's just fine as a catcher. I think he's a really good defensive catcher. I think he got better at framing. I think he got better at throwing out guys. But 
Could I use a complimentary piece to a Carson Kelly, a better complimentary piece? Because we really don't want Dalton Varsha playing that much catcher. He's going to be playing way more outfield in the future in the coming year. So I can see catcher getting at least a complimentary piece to go with a Carson Kelly. First base, as of right now, I think the D-backs are good there. They have the fifth best offensive war at first base, which is like, that fell kind of low when I first looked at it because, of course, Christian Walker, 800 excuse me, 800 OPS, um, near 40 home runs. Like, he had a phenomenal season. But when you look at the teams ahead of him in offensive war for the team position groups, all that makes sense except for one I think really stands out like a sore thumb. The number one first base offensive group by war was the St. Louis Cardinals, which is not surprising. Paul Goldschmidt. Second was the Dodgers, who had Freddie Freeman. Third, I think, was the most surprising. The Washington Nationals, probably when they had Josh Bell, and then I don't even know who their first baseman was after that. And then fourth was the Mets with Pete Alonso. Like, like Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, and Pete Alonso are going to finish like in the top seven of MVP voting. So it's not a surprise that they all had higher offensive wars than Christian Walker. Again, D-backs, fifth highest offensive war at first base in the National League. Second base, this is one that I think, I don't think we need an upgrade at second base. I don't really think we need a complimentary piece unless you're telling me Ketel Marte is playing DH more in the future. Otherwise, right now, the D-backs, 10th best offensive war at second base this past year. Absolutely disgusting. Way too low. But I think Ketel Marte is still probably considered the best second baseman, maybe in all of baseball. So I I think he's going to have a bounce back next year. Ketel Marte, if you look at his baseball reference, if you look at his career log, he's kind of a roller coaster of a player a little bit. We kind of don't want to mention it, but he's kind of really elite every other year and I think that's okay with Ketel Marte because the position is such a weak group second base is probably the weakest position in baseball and is also not getting paid like a crazy amount like Ketel Marte is not out here making massive Bumgarner money like I think for what Ketel Marte has been in the past and despite what he did this past year he's still on a bargain of a deal so even though the D-backs have the 10th highest offense war at second base in the National League. I think Ketel Marte could be in store for a huge bounce back next year. This one kind of surprised me a little bit, actually. We know the D-backs, fifth in offense war at first base. Also fifth in offense war at third base. Did not expect that. Did not expect the Josh Rojas and Manuel Rivera combination to lead to such a high number. But I still feel like third base is an area we could at least get a complimentary piece Maybe an upgrade if you go Ketel Marte, more DH, maybe you make Josh Rojas second base, and then maybe you look for a third baseman because that, that's your plan if you think you just need an upgrade at third base. I'm okay with another complimentary piece to mix with a Josh Rojas for the days Rojas wants to play second base because even though Emmanuel Rivera is that complimentary piece right now, I'm just not a big Emmanuel Rivera guy, and I just don't think he's going to be the D-backs long-term plans. I think right now he's taking – I think he's probably – doing more harmful than good for the D-backs team by taking away opportunities from other guys that would rather have the at-bats he's getting. So I could see a complimentary piece going for that third baseman. And then if you're lucky, trade Amanda Rivera for a bullpen guy. Shortstop, this one makes total sense. 13th highest offensive war in the National League. Geraldo Perdomo basically gives you nothing offensively as a shortstop. Maybe if you really want to get crazy, you just make Rojas like more of a full-time shortstop. And then you try to find the third baseman upgrade that way with Rojas playing more shortstop. But I don't think the D-backs are going to do that either. And then when I look at the outfield, I mean, I just feel like I don't need an I don't need an upgrade. I don't need a complimentary piece. Like whatever the D-backs are doing in-house, I think is good enough for the outfield. D-backs, fifth highest center fielder, offensive war. Fifth highest right fielder, offensive war. 
and left fielder was seventh. And listen, those numbers are going to get higher because it was mostly David Peralta playing left field this past season. We're going to get more Corbin Carroll in there next year. Center field, that could go up and down depending on if Alec Thomas is playing more center field or not. But maybe it's more Dalton Varshall playing more center field. Maybe it's Corbin Carroll playing more center field. And then you got Jake McCarthy more in right field. Like, there's definitely a world where the offensive war for all three of those positions goes up if you're playing more Varshall, Corbin Carroll, and Jake McCarthy in the outfield. So I'm not worried about that at all. And then the last position, DH, D-backs, eighth highest DH offensive war. Maybe you look for a more full-time DH, but I think, again, I think they probably have that on their roster because you could go Jake McCarthy full-time DH if you need to. So you have Alec Thomas in the outfield with his defensive wizardry. Or maybe Keto Marte. Offensive numbers were better as a DH than a second baseman, I believe, this past season. So maybe he leans a little bit more into being DH. You stop with all the wear and tear on his body. Keep him a little bit more fresh, a little bit more healthy. Then you have Rojas playing second base. Or you look for a second base upgrade. I wouldn't be upset looking for a complimentary piece for second base i just don't think you need to upgrade at all and i'm not buying the down season that keto Marte had this past year because i just think he's too damn good of a player so when i really look at the positions catcher i think we could use a complimentary piece i probably would want another infield piece that could play more on the either third base or second base or shortstop so i wouldn't mind a utility guy maybe one or two infielders that could play you know multiple positions in the infield and then outside of that of course bullpen arms back into the rotation but in terms of lineup position groups probably catcher second base third base and shortstop or the or the was that four position groups i feel like we need at least a complimentary piece and not an upgrade but at least a complimentary piece in and we'll get into those pieces that the D-backs should sign this offseason. And if you want to bet on which free agent the D-backs are going to sign this offseason, you need to head to betonline.net. Let me pull up my overlay because betonline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the podcast. Let's look at some of those free agents by MLB.com. Let me shout out the MLB.com writer because I'm working off his article. Let me see. Anthony Castro Vince, I believe. I hope that's how you pronounce your name. But let's look at some of the honorable mentions he has here. I'm not even sure if we'll even be able to get to the actual top 20 of his list because he has so many honorable mentions written down. But based off what we just talked about in the position groups, we wouldn't be upset if we upgraded that. Let's first start with catcher. And he has three big honorable mentions here. Catcher, Omar Navarez, Gary Sanchez, and Christian Vasquez. And none of those three players, I think, are better than Carson Kelly. And I'm not even sure I would want any of those players as a complimentary piece. But if I had to pick one, I think I would lean Christian Vasquez one 
I am a Closet Red Sox fan, so Christian Vasquez has a big, soft spot in my heart. Two, he is one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. He's the elite at throwing out base runners. And three, if you look at his batting average, he's been at least 270 or higher like four of the last six years. He actually is a pretty solid contact hitter. So I wouldn't be upset at all if the D-backs want to go after like a Christian, Ca- uh, a Christian Vasquez to batch up Carson Kelly at catcher. Gary Sanchez, he's just one of those enigma-type players that are just like, you know he's talented and you want him to put it together, but... He's more of a wish cast type player. You're always going to be like, all right, if Gary Sanchez could put it together this year, we know his potential is because we saw him back in 2017 and 2019 be an all-star catcher where he hit 30 home runs in 2017 and 34 home runs in 2019. Listen, this guy is a home run machine because even outside those two all-star seasons, he still has other seasons of 20, 18, 23, and then this past season, 16 home runs. But we look at the rest of his stats, a 205 average, a 659 OPS, and the dude strikes out a ton. Career high, 136 strikeouts this past season to just 40 walks in 128 games. That's over one strikeout a game. So Gary Sanchez, I just don't think he'll be putting together enough quality at bats that the D-backs would want. Christian Vasquez is a professional hitter. He might not always hit the bomb. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't, but I think he'll at least put it put together, good at bats, come through for you in clutch moments, runners in scoring position, and be productive behind the plate as a defensive catcher. Omar Navarez, I think he's Gary Sanchez without the power. Like, yeah, he might be a good defensive catcher, but he's just giving me nothing offensively, and I feel like I could find an Omar Navarez like in my minor league. So I'm definitely not in on Omar Navarez being a potential complementary piece to Carson Kelly. How about some of the infielders, though? Honorable mentions, Jesus Aguilar, Elvis Andrews, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria, Trey Mancini, Gene Segura, Justin Turner, and Colton Wong. Jesus Aguilar, mostly first baseman, and like, yeah, I guess we could use a backup to Christian Walker. Like, every position group needs a backup. Jesus Aguilar, I guess, could play that position. He had 16 home runs this past season, but he just had a super down year offensively. So maybe he would be super cheap. This is something that does hit for power. But it's coming off a terrible season, going to be entering his mid-30s. Maybe you think he's more of the guy that we saw in 2021, 2020, where he was a pretty solid offensive player. But I'm just not a big Jesus Aguilar guy, and I would rather stay away from him. Elvis Andrews, I mean, I'm surprised he's still in the league because he feels so damn old. Elvis Andrews is only going to be 34 years old. He's 34 right now, which is, I feel like he's 39 years old. So the fact that he's only 34 is impressive, but he just doesn't do anything offensively anymore. Like back in the day with Rangers, I thought Elvis Andrews was like a top five shortstop in baseball. Yeah, he didn't hit for power, but he always had a solid batting average and he can at least steal bases. But Now that I'm a little bit more knowledgeable about baseball, now that I look a little bit deeper into the stats, I now realize Elvis Andrews was always an overrated player, and I probably thought he was better than what he actually is because he was an all-star. Two of his first, I want to say, four years in Major League Baseball, he came in in 2009, was an all-star in 2010 and 2012, but it was mostly because of stolen bases. But even when you look at his steals, even the years he had 30-plus steals, he was getting caught like 15 times, and his OPS was like 700 or below. So like, yeah, he might have hit 280, but if he's giving you a 670 OPS and half the time he's getting thrown out on the base pass, like he led the league and caught steals twice during his time with the Rangers. Like he used to be a great defensive catcher, used to have a lot of speed, but 
Now he doesn't have as much speed. A little bit older. Offensively, doesn't do much. I'm out on Elvis Andrews. Brandon Belt could be another potential backup to Christian Walker, but I think Brandon Belt's probably too good of a player. Yes, he's coming off a down season. Yes, he's going to be 35, but I don't think Brandon Belt's ready yet to be a backup at this point of his career, so I don't think he's a very feasible option, unfortunately, for the D-backs either. And then when I look at a Evan Longoria, it's kind of like the same case because he's another guy who used to be really good. I think he was actually having like a pretty decent season this year until he got hurt. Like even in the 89 games he played this year, 244 average, a 767 OPS. Last year in 81 games, a 261 average, 833 OPS. And he had 13 home runs last year or 13 home runs in 2021, 14 home runs this past season. And he did... And he had, you know, damn near 15 home runs in less than 90 games the last two years. Like, I think Evan Longoria is still a solid third baseman, can still be productive. And if the D-backs got rid of Emmanuel Rivera for a reliever, I would like an Evan Longoria as a backup catcher, or excuse me, as a backup third baseman to Josh Rojas. I think that would be the perfect position. It just really depends on how good could he still play third base because if he could still give me a decent glove at third base, he's going to be right now. He's 37 years old, so Evan Longoria is no spring chicken. So if he can still play a slightly above average third base, like I wouldn't mind bringing him in as a backup catch. I'm going to say catcher again. I wouldn't mind bringing him in as a backup third baseman for Josh Rojas because he's got that power, veteran leadership, and I don't think Evan Longoria is a guy who's going to break the bank at 37 years old. Trey Mancini. Of course, a great story. He beat cancer, and then he came back and actually had a fantastic season after beating cancer with 21 home runs, 758 OPS, like that's really good numbers for a guy who was out the entire season with illness. And even this past season, 2022, 18 home runs is solid. 239 average and 710 OPS doesn't impress you. But as a guy who can play multiple positions, first baseman and outfielder, could he be a backup first baseman to Christian Walker? Yeah, for sure he can. But as a right-handed hitter, we probably don't need him. I think if I'm going to get a backup first baseman for Christian Walker, I probably want to lean into more of a lefty than a righty. I love the Mancini story, like I just said. But if we're going to get a backup catch, uh, why do I keep thinking catcher? If we're going to get a backup first baseman, I want to be a lefty. That's why I would have loved for Seth Beer to work out because he's a backup and he's someone that I think would have been a perfect piece for the D-backs if he was able to work out and actually produce at a high level. But unfortunately, he was probably my biggest miss of the season because I thought entering the year, Seth Beer was going to have a breakout season and potentially be in the rookie of the year race. But that did not happen, and he ended up disappointing me, but that's okay because we still got next season, and there's still hope that Seth Beer could bounce back. But realistically, I'm looking at that Zach Rinky trade, and I'm saying, ah, the Astros might have fleeced us with a whole bunch of prospects that we thought were going to be good, that were highly heralded, and were considered really solid prospects that could help our major league team. But in the end, we might have been bamboozled because, once again, don't trust prospects. They're the biggest gamble in sports. I think they're a bigger gamble than like draft picks in the NBA or NFL. Like, I'd rather get established stars than bet my future on a prospect. Now, I want to look at some more, of course, free agents that could potentially come to the D backs. But I first want to say 
Thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get back into dissecting this free agent class and look at let's look at some more infielders that are on this honorable mention list because I stopped at Trey Mancini. But next up after him is Gene Segura, who is on a $17 million club option, so kind of expensive. But do the Phillies want to pick that up for a 32-year-old, going to be 33-year-old infielder? I'm not too sure about that. Played 98 games this past season, 131 in 2021. Has some other seasons like 2017 where he only played 125 games. Like there's some injury history with Gene Segura, and I think he's a good player. Former Arizona Diamondback. Like, would this be a potential reunion? Maybe. By far his by far his best season was in Arizona, and we were able to sell high on him back then. That's when he had a career-high 20 home runs, a career-high 319 average, a career-high 867 OPS. But I think that one season in Arizona kind of inflated the value of a Gene Segura because never cracked an 800 OPS since then, never cracked 20 home runs since then either. And his biggest skill used to be his speed, and now you look at the last few years, he hasn't even cracked... He hasn't cracked 15 stolen bases since 2018. I don't think entering his mid-30s. I would like to assume he's not going to get quicker. So Gene Segura could definitely be a complimentary piece, but I think I would rather look in other directions than a Gene Segura because I think he could be a guy that is maybe a little bit too expensive. Like if he's looking for over $10 million a year, I'm just not in on that. I think he's still a nice player, but I don't think he's a guy that would really move the needle for this Diamondbacks team. The guy up next is kind of interesting. I think two years ago, I would have been more inclined to potentially bring him in. But at 37 years old, going on 38 years old on November 23rd, Justin Turner, I think it's just a little bit out the range. Like if you're telling me as a complimentary piece and we're trading Man Rivera, I'm down to bring in Justin Turner. He's still... I don't think he's probably the best defensive third baseman, but he's solid. Still got power like this past season. 128 games, a 278 average, a 788 OPS, 13 home runs, 81 RBIs. Like he's still a good middle of the order producer. And if he's like your number seven hitter, I think that's still pretty fearful. Like he's going to still be still be batting, still be batting behind guys with speed that could get on base. Like I wouldn't mind Justin Turner as a complimentary piece for this D-backs team because I also would just love to steal a NL West rival fan favorite like a Justin Turner. Like, would the Dodgers even let him go to a team like the D-backs? Maybe, but he's also on a $16 million club option. So I don't think the Dodgers want to pay that much for a guy who's going to be 38 years old. And if Justin Turner hits free agency, I think that would be an interesting option for the D-backs to go after. Again, you're not breaking the bank with someone like Justin Turner. For these complimentary pieces, I kind of cap it at like $10 million. Like Justin Turner gets declined that $16 million club option by the Dodgers, and then he goes out on the market and is looking for like a $12 to $13 million deal. Like That's probably too much for my sake, even though there's no salary cap in baseball. I still don't want to just be throwing out 
throwing around money that we don't have to. And I, you know, if I'm throwing around money, I want to be to players who I know are going to be good and I know are going to contribute to this team and really help this squad out and potentially make the postseason. And Justin Turner, 10 million or less, I think can be that guy. But if we're talking about Justin Turner at 12 to 16 million dollars, I don't like that price tag. So Justin Turner is someone I would be willing to bring in. It just depends on the contract. And then the last infielder we have on the honorable mention list is Colton Wong, who is surprisingly maybe older than people realize, 32 years old. Like he's a couple of years younger than uh, Elvis Andrews, who feels like eight years older than Colton Wong. But Wong is like a decent player. 250 average this year, 770 OPS. Last year with Milwaukee was solid, 272 average, 783 OPS. But this is someone back in the day who was expected to be a really good player. Another high heralded prospect that never really panned out finished third in rookie year voting in 2014 and since then he's been like a really solid infielder utility guy can steal some bases got a little pop as well like i wouldn't mind bringing a colton wong in but like i said it all depends on the price tag for this guy he's also a lefty so i think that'd be a nice complimentary piece with ketel Marte, who's typically better right-handed batter than left-handed batter so colton wong i wouldn't mind at all bringing in as a complimentary piece because one he helps out that speed that team speed that i think is going to be a huge asset next year still 17 bases this past year in 134 games and number two also got some pop 15 home runs this past year in 134 games as well so it's a guy that could get you 15 15 potential and maybe he plays like 80 games for the d-backs as a backup i wouldn't mind that also i could see colton wong as a potential possibility for this d-back squad because this d-backs team just looking at it i don't think needs a ton of help and i think I want to bet on internal development for a lot of these D-backs players and just get pieces, complimentary pieces to help out these um, players that I think will have bigger leaps and bigger steps forward in their progress next season. But let's run through a couple more guys before we wrap up today's podcast. And let's look at some super utility guys. And we got another potential reunion on the list with Brandon Drury, who is currently on the San Diego Padres after being traded there from the Cincinnati Reds because he had a breakout season for the Reds this year where he batted 274 with the 855 OPS with the Reds, 20 home runs as well. Not as good with the Padres. And I think this season's probably going to go down as a little fluky. But even if you look at 2021, he only played 51 games in 2021, but 274 average and a 783 OPS even in 2021, which is pretty solid number. So if Brandon Jury is the guy we've seen the last two years, then I would be more than happy to bring him in as a backup complimentary piece. But if he's the guy we saw the four to five years prior, uh, I'm probably not too excited for Brandon Jury, but even his lone season in Arizona, or not his lone season, but his last season in Arizona, 2017, 267 average, a 764 OPS, 13 home runs, 135 games. If he can put up similar num- numbers in 80 games, I would be interested in a Brandon Jury reunion back to Arizona. There's also Adam Frazier listed here. I'm just out on Adam Frazier. I just think that guy's not a very good baseball player, and I don't want him on my team, so I'm not going to have a lot of analysis on him. But the next guy on this honorable mention list is Jaraxon Profar, who I think has been like a decent player for the Padres, but I think he's a better player for the Padres than an actual guy I would want on my team. Like, yeah, he might have hit 15 home runs this past season in 152 games, but he's still a 243 average, 723 OPS guy. Don't think he gives you a ton offensively. I'm glad that he's been able to turn his career around into like a solid utility guy that could play all around. But remember, 
Jaraxon Profar is also someone else that was touted as one of the best prospects in baseball, a five-tool player, and just never lived up to those standings. And I'm just not a huge Jaraxon Profar fan. I've never thought he was that good of a player. I always thought he was a little overrated on a $7.5 million player option this year. And I think he should take that deal because I think it's the best deal he's going to get on the free agent market because I'm just not a big Jaraxon Profar dude. So from the honorable mentions I listed today that I actually wouldn't mind bringing in as a complimentary piece Christian Vasquez among catchers Evan Longoria I wouldn't mind Colton Wong I wouldn't mind Justin Turner I wouldn't mind and then Brandon Jury and I think that's about it Brandon Jury as well so those are five players off the honorable mention list five position players off the honorable mention list that I would not mind if the D-backs brought in as a complimentary piece for the 2023 season now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks free Agent Friday edition. Come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Come back next week, like I said, for more Diamondbacks news coverage insight. Go catch up on any podcast you might have missed this past season. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.